poker's legendary champions, next generation stars, and tireless ambassadors of the game, sharing their wisdom and guiding your journey to high achievement on the green felt. This is Tactical Tuesday on Chasing Poker Greatness with your hosts, Brad Wilson and John Chai. Welcome, 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 my friends, to another episode of the Chasing Poker Greatness podcast. As always, this is your host, the founder of ChasingPokerGreatness.com, Coach Brad Wilson. And if you have some <laughs> audio feedback here, that's because if you're watching on YouTube, you know kind of what's happening. But the podcast uh, listener, I have a giant wolf mask over my face and my snout really loves bonking into the microphone. So um also lack peripheral vision to like see <laughs> anything out of the corner of my eyes. It's uh, it's well worth it though. I think uh, we'll try to keep all the action on the center of the screen for you today. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I I thought you were gonna come dressed up to the Halloween party. I am dressed you? up. Oh, what wh- what are you? Bad reg. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> you can't. It, that's like using the word in the definition. You know, that's that's what you are <laughs> all the time. So. It doesn't, it's not like a... Yeah, it's perfect. I didn't, have to, I didn't have to do anything different today. <laughs> <laughs> well, with that said, what's going to be the theme of today's Tactical Tuesday? Um, so pretty simple theme today. It's going to be overbetting on the river, I guess, but just kind of overbetting in general. And um, I guess when, when I use them, um, when I think it's appropriate to use them. And then hopefully on the flip side, like it'll help listeners kind of be able to interpret what overbets mean when when they face them in the future. All right. So we got well, you got one hand where I overbet the river with value and then one hand where I overbet the river as a bluff, which are kind of the two the two situations where you're overbetting the river or just betting in general, I guess. But yeah, one time really strong value, one time just an air ball, um, which I think kind of both both examples sort of illustrate what I'm going for when I when I overbet the river. Yeah, so I know that we had a request for some sort of spooky theme for today's episode. Is there any yeah, spookiness this was like involved? Spookiness? No, not. not <laughs> I mean, not not in like a direct way that I can think of. But this was like the first comment under that was like facing overbets or or overbetting in general. Yeah. All right. Well, that's kind of a terrible job of making the theme fit. But you know what can I say? Bad rag. Bad hand selection. <laughs> Not just bad at poker, bad at SEO. <laughs> Not really great at much. So thank you for the suggestion. We'll do a shitty job next time as well. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let's dive into the hand while uh, yeah, I'm getting very hot inside of this mask. It's quite <laughs> uncomfortable. Um so you opened the button with King Jack of Diamonds. And the big blind defends. You're playing 1K and L. Uh, 100 big blinds deep. Flop is 10.75 to Diamonds. The big blind checks. So now we're at the first decision point here. Um, Second up. I think flop. there are a lot of different ways you can go. I think with on these kind of middling boards, um, especially when they're two-tone, I think 
like a really common strategy is just big bet check. Uh, I think if that was going to be my strat here, King Jack of Diamonds would definitely go in the big bet category, which is one of the super obvious, comfortable bluffs. Um, and I, th I think another strat here is just range bet a third and then start splitting sizes and doing weird stuff on the turn. Um, I think I probably range bet a third. That's what I was doing earlier in the month. Yep. I think this any, is fine. Any specific reason for choosing the one-third here or just fancied struck your fancy eh, i mean i think like one nice thing about going a third just in general that i've i've personal experienced is like it it just gives you a lot of options on the turn for for what you want to do um like this sort of keeps your range really wide you're basically saying you're i mean you're basically saying you're betting every single hand that you opened on the button or almost every single hand um yeah, I don't know. I think it's just like a very uh, like flexible flop sizing that, that just keeps your options open on the turn. All right, keeping the options open. So villain calls. Uh, you turn the second nut flush. There's 105 in the pot. Uh, the board is 10, 7, 5, 3 with three diamonds. Villain uh, has you covered. You have 950 pots 105. They check the turn. Decision point number two. Yeah, I think this is already like a spot where we could talk about overbetting and just polarizing here. I mean, um, I think that would be a be a totally reasonable strat is just like not have very many bets on this flush completing turn and bet really, really big with your flushes and and then like really, really big with maybe some like semi bluffs like ace of diamonds X hands or I don't know what other semi what other semi natural semi bluffs there are, but like just bet very, very few hands on the turn and go really, really big. Um, I think the more common standard thing to do is just go like a smaller size, like somewhere in between like two thirds and like three quarters pot mm -hmm. and sort of just allow yourself to bet a wider range for value. Like I think when you bet that size, you can comfortably bet over pairs, uh, maybe even like the strongest 10x um, and obviously all the hands that are better than that. Would you think about splitting your range here? Yeah, I think that that like is definitely uh like an acceptable way to go. Um like I don't think you're going to get punished for doing that basically is, is yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you start out by going 75%. I think my preference would be to overbet here for the yeah. reasons that you said with the exact hand that you have. I think it just makes a lot of sense. Mhm. Mm yeah, so I, I would prefer going 150, and I think it sets up for like a better river SPR too. Yeah, I think that's, I think that like makes a lot of sense. I think one good thing about this size is that I think regs in the pool are going to perceive this size to be overbluffed. Yeah. Like just kind of like a lazy, like, uh, I don't oh, know about overbluffed, but it, it could be like more linear, right? Like yeah, yeah, more linear. Pairs, yeah, ace 10. Yeah. yeah. And it, I mean, it is supposed to be more bluff than like 125, um, but. I don't know. I think I, it's I actually just... this this size with what I'm hearing from your strategy feels like the most underbluffed of your sizes. <laughs> like just gonna be pure linear. I, I imagine with like the ace of diamonds, you're probably just one fiftying the turn. Yeah. But I mean this size I probably bet hands like eight nine, eight six, those sorts of hands. And I probably wouldn't I don't know if I would one fifty those hands. I mean maybe, maybe you should actually. Those are pretty oh. normal bluffs. Okay, this one I'll bet like you know jack nine. Sure, sure. I'm 
not sure that I believe you, but okay, we're we're here now. Uh, villain calls the seventy five percent. There's two fifty in the pot. Rivers the ace of hearts. Villain checks. Decision point number three. Um, so this is a spot where I thought it made sense to overbet for value. I think that once we get to the river, a lot of those hands that I would like a lot of the hands that are thinner value on the turn that I'm betting for 70 that aren't flushes, basically like over pairs, maybe strong 10x, like king 10, queen 10, um, probably are not betting the river for value all that often. Um, and so I think like my river value range is going to be all the flushes that bet the turn and probably two pair plus. So like ace 10 plus probably don't bet the turn with a hand like a7 or a5 um and so like when my value range is that thin um that's probably one of the most common data points i use to um bet really really big i think the the major problem with betting big on the ace river specifically is that it gives your nut flush draws pairs and i would imagine that like you know ace jack with the ace of diamonds is going to be some part of your perceived range on the turn. So I think like the ace specifically just, you know, it makes it harder for you to have natural bluffs when you rip the river. Like I, yeah. I just imagine that like you're under bluffing here when you, you overbet. And I assume you're going to rip just because it's, uh, you know, I, I guess you could bet like 350-ish. Yeah, I, I don't think I ripped the spot. I think I just went like the 350 size. But I think like, I don't know, maybe this is just getting like way too like exploitative and like opening yourself up to like, you know, for bad things. But like, I think I could see myself splitting on the river and betting the ace of diamonds, like ace jack with ace of diamonds. A different size. Like 30 or something? Yeah. Well, uh, I imagine that you could, but I'm just not sure that the perception is like... Mm. I mean, I guess the way that, you know, you laid it out, like if you do have busted straight draws, that, that would be the major category you're pulling from yep. with your bluffs, yep. like six, eight, eight, nine, jack nine, jack eight yep. type of hands. Uh, and then maybe if you have something along the lines of like king, queen, queen, jack, king, jack with some kind of diamond could be reasonable that you have a number of bluffs. I don't know. I, I sort of disagree that I think I think when you overbet, you sort of eliminate like a lot of those one pair ASEX hands. And so I have a feeling that the perception could be that I'm over bluffing once I'm like not repping those hands anymore. Cause yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like you yeah. have straight draws. Like that's, that would be the, the oh, error or lower okay, equity okay. category that yeah, villain, yeah, yeah, yeah. villain can bluff catch against. Right. Yeah. Um, and yeah, maybe the ace is, uh, I'm torn on the ace specifically. I, I guess it does give them some pairs as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and then if they have the ace of diamonds, then that reduces the number of flushes that you have when you polarize. So yeah, maybe overbet's just good. Ooh, two Xer. Yeah, this isn't like I don't know. Another question when you're overbetting, obviously, is like how big to overbet? Like, does this yeah. get called more than like just jamming to the point where, you know, two Xing makes any sense? Or is or is it like really dumb because people are inelastic between two X and, and jam? I don't know. I know that like if they have the nut flush though. It's gonna be a not great. Um, I, I think, think that flush check checks check raises a lot, facing one third on the flop. Like if you bet one fifty on the turn, yeah, there's like four fifty on the river. 
Mm-hmm. Villain has like 800, which makes a 2x river jam like more mm-hmm. palatable. Yeah. So maybe that's like if the plan is to play for all the money, which I assume when you have the second up flush, the plan is to play for all the money. Like starting out on the turn, setting up the river yeah. seems, you know, like a better plan. Mm-hmm. Well, we get heroed. Nice. Ooh, by a nine and a 10 with a 10 of diamonds. Mm hmm. Mm. Yeah, I mean, you are saying you have flush or nothing, so. Yeah. I wonder what they do facing turnover bet river jam. Or just like facing the same size on the turn and jamming the river. I wonder if like this is a hand that's like not indifferent. Yeah, I, I mean. I'm not saying it shouldn't be, but like, like. Well, like I think there is a little bit of difference between like jamming and then like 2xing. Uh, just the perception could be right. that like you're not. You're you're holding some back, right? Right. Um, with you know your bluffs, like you you're not risking all of it. Maybe there's like uh, maybe, maybe I, who knows? Like it's really hard to know whether or not villains like gonna fold any extra to the the last three fifty on the river yeah. or not. But intuitively, I, I think that the two X gets called more than the jam. That would be my yeah. That's what I'm intuition. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's what I hope too. We'll never know, but I guess uh, just need you to jam in this spot like a thousand times, and then we'll, <laughs> we'll f- have a definitive answer as to whether or not they're inflexible. Um, so that's going to do it for hand number one. Hand number two going to come at you right after the break. Maybe a little spooky. You're putting all the money in when you don't have it. It's uh, It's always a little bit spookier. So we'll see how well John comes through. Stick around. The decision to enter a hand is fundamental to poker strategy. Too tight, and they know what you have. Too loose, and you're easy to run over. Free Flop Bootcamp from Chasing Poker Greatness is a comprehensive guide to locking down your preflop game and creating true range advantage. Eight days of guided training, over 60 optimal ranges, and access to a dedicated community of players that will push your preflop game from a place of weakness to your greatest strength. Go to ChasingPokerGreatness.com slash bootcamp. Available now. John, I wanted to ask you why you decided to invest in a preflop bootcamp. Everything that you had done with me to that point, or I had heard you do, had impressed me. I loved the podcast. I accidentally ended up in the poker power hour and loved that. And then I took coaching and then you recommended the boot camp. And at first I didn't think it was, you know, something that would be that valuable. But I was like, everything else has been amazing. So I signed up and then it just blew me away. And what about bootcamp blew you away? Like it started off slow. Like I'm learning these ranges and I'm not even understanding what you're talking about. And then all of a sudden, as I start to understand what we're doing with the three bets, the four bets, all of a sudden it just kind of hit me. And I was like, oh my God, how do I not know this stuff? This is amazing. The more I studied them, I started to understand why they were constructed sometimes. Like I'd be like, that's why that's like that. And that would lead to more revelations. 
and just a better understanding of poker in general. Do you have any interesting takeaways from your boot camp experience? The most interesting thing about the boot camp, it's a pre-flop boot camp, but I feel like it's done as much for my post game as it did for my pre-game, just because I'm not in as many awkward and bad situations as I found myself in. You know, when we were doing coaching before the boot camp, we couldn't get through 10, 15 minutes of tape without finding mistake after mistake. And then once we did the boot camp, it solved problems on the back end as well. I know you've studied for a thousand hours this year. How do you think boot camp compares to your other poker study? Oh, it's crazy. The boot camp is probably the most important thing I've done all year out of everything. I would give anything to go back and to, to know that stuff 10 years ago. I can't imagine how successful I'd be right now if I had known that stuff. And I thought the boot camp was so valuable that I literally insisted you take more money from me and paid you more for the boot camp because I was blown away. I just thought the price was too cheap. And it's changed my game in ways that I, I can't even explain to you. If you'd like to join the next round of Preflop Bootcamp, which starts on the last Saturday of every month, head to ChasingPokerGreatness.com slash bootcamp to lock up your spot. One more time, that's ChasingPokerGreatness.com slash bootcamp. All right. Welcome back to this spooky Halloween themed episode where I'm the only one who's wearing a costume and coming up with spooky themes. Uh, Really doing the work here today, John. What's you want to dive right into hand number two? Yeah, let's just get into it. (laughs) Let's not talk. (laughs) Let's not talk about the Halloween failures. Um, So three X, the button playing 1K and L once again, the big blind for X's uh, to 120, and I assume you call, and 10.65 with two diamond flop. So 245 in the pot, 880 behind. Uh, you flopped the nut flush draw. I assume villain's a reg. Yeah, villain's a reg. I actually don't like how I played this on the Let's just, let's just, all right, what, what, what would you do here, facing check? Um, facing check, I think you have, like, a lot of options. Yeah, you can I kind mean, of do, do a lot of stuff, but I don't, I don't really love the thing that, I, I think, yeah, I, now that I, like, think about this hand, again, the river almost seems like I, I got incredibly lucky to get this run out. But anyways, yeah, so, like, what, I, like, are, what are the my, my My preference would probably just be to bet, I think that, Betting on the flop, lots of good things happen and almost no bad things happen. You get right, check raise. Check raise doesn't matter. You get check raise and like villain could actually have like king queen of diamonds, king jack right. of diamonds, queen jack of right. diamonds, some sort of like eight nine of diamonds or seven eight of diamonds. Yep. Um, and I think it's like really 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 good when you bet against those hands mm-hmm. since you're likely just getting it in and going to be a, a big favorite. Mm-hmm. Um, you know if you get check raised with like backdoor spades, then you can bet three bet, rip the flop and fold out backdoor spades. Mm-hmm. So probably um, preference would just be to start by betting this flop. Size? Hmm. I'm unsure. I think you could go like small. It's 
probably the standard. Um, a third or half, mm-hmm. maybe half. So, like, one of the things that I'm worried about is that, like, you bet a third, let's say you get called. Yeah. What do you do on the turn, on just, like, brick turns? Because, like, on, like, what I'm thinking is that on brick turns, I'm already, like, well, I really don't want to get check-raised if I barrel, like, two-thirds with the sand. So, it's, like, is it a lot of, like, bet small on the flop and then check back on? I think, actually, I, li- I like half, because I think half sets up, um, like, a 500 in the pot. And you'll have like 760 or so. So I think that like if you bet half and then on brick turns, I think that you can check behind and still maintain higher equity hands in your range. Because you can just have one bet left on the river and just rip with like sets, um, those type of hands. So like, I think my preference would be half just because it lets us still play for all the money on one street, which means we can check behind the turn and still have some top of range hands. I think if we bet a third, it makes it a lot more difficult to uh, right. check Suddenly back. The turn check back looks way more suspicious when you bet it. Yeah, it, lo- it looks a lot weaker, right? It looks like you're rarely going to have sets in range. Like, ah, I gave it a try on the flop, and then I just, you know. Sure, right. Yeah, I'm giving up now. Yeah. Ah, okay, so I bet a third. That's why I don't like the size, though. I think you're right. that like If you do bet bigger here, the turn check back, which I'm planning on doing a lot because I just don't want to be forced to fold enough flush draw and maybe an overcard. Um, I think that makes way more sense. I bet a third here. Do not get check raised. I get called. Queen of hearts on the turn, overcard. Mm-hmm. Big blind checks. Um, oh, I stick with the plan and like check back here. I actually think like this check back, this is like where I think I got lucky. Where like I think a lot of my 10x actually just checks back here. Sure. Maybe it doesn't even bet the flop. Just like it, it sort of makes sense for me to have you know, a lot of different kinds of 10x here. Um, I mean, you could, you, like, conceivably, you could bet the flop with nines, eights, sevens. You could have, like, king, queen, or queen, jack in your range as well. That you yeah, queen, bet. jack of so, diamonds, like, king, queen of diamonds. You yeah, know. so you have top pair and a lot of second pair in your range, and right. probably not a lot of your range even wants to bet on right. this turn anyway. Right. What I'm saying, though, is that, like, on the deuce of hearts turn, checking back is like, oh, now, now I'm like, you know, my value right. range is like, probably well i mean it still it? has like 10x right like you, you, yeah like i wouldn't bet my like ace 10 even on like the deuce sports turn i definitely wouldn't bet a hand like nines maybe yeah. it's not that maybe it's not yeah i think like you still maintain some top pairs uh the yeah. the sets that are in your range which yeah. you know those are the ones that <laughs> the the best ones I, I i do think that checking back probably removes a lot of them but you still have i, don't know. Like, I mean i look at this spr now like 2x or SPR two, just jam the river with those hands, and it's not like it's yeah. not insane. Um, yeah, maybe it's not crazy. Yeah. Hmm. Actually, now I sort of like the one third on the size better now because I feel like that'll get check raised more often. But anyways, well, it will get check raised more often. Yeah. Um, and then the river is a ten, so five, five, queen, ten, ten, two diamonds. You have no flush <laughs> or pair. Villain checks. Got a pair of tens. You do have a pair of tens. <laughs> um. So. Uh. So I think my betting range on the river is going to be just bricked stuff like this. Maybe even a hand like seven, eight. You know, just like all the straight draws and and uh, natural diamond draws. Maybe even like spade, spade hands that bet the flop, take a stab yeah. on the flop, and then check back the turn for all the reasons that um that I said. Although I guess like some of the bad straight draws like the gut shots and the spade spade hands that don't improve the 
backdoor flush draws don't really mind barreling. Um, but anyways, I think my that's probably going to make up the bulk of my bluffing range. And then my value range on the river is only going to be 10x plus. I assume I assume I wouldn't even bet like strong queen x. Maybe like maybe like ace queen king queen. I might be tempted to, but I think that's like that's getting kind of thin because I think the big blind can definitely still have hands like aces, kings, queen x himself. Oh, they're for sure checking range on the river. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like this is. But just I'm saying that like I think it's reasonable for the big blind to have like you know ace queen and just check call the flop or like aces and just check call the flop. Yeah, I, I think like they they are going to bet some, so mm-hmm. I, I think there is like some removal effect there. Like ace queen specifically, I, I think I would probably just still jam for value. I, I think that like you could get heroed by, you know, jacks, jacks uh, just some random queen x or even like ace five or something if they're feeling frisky. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think you can get called by worse if you jam ace queen, but that would be kind of the bottom for me. Or yeah. maybe like aces if you flatted aces pre. I think that's another like slam dunk jam. Yeah. And then the rest of the hands are you know the ten x that right. are that are there. Right. Um, and I think like. I don't know, sort of lucky for me is with this run out is that it makes a ton of sense for me to play all of my naked 10x in this way. Um, maybe the most like suspicious thing is like, does all my 10x bet the flop? Um, but, you know, assuming they give me credit for that, I think it's very reasonable to check back the turn and then jam the river just trying to get heroed by all their one pair hands. I mean, the reality is you, you only have like seven combos of 10x as it is right like you have two combos of ace 10 two combos of king 10 one combo of queen 10 and two combos of jack 10 and nine suited all right two combos of nine 10 so like nine combos of 10x i think if if villain has like pairs here i I think it would be it's would be really really easy for you to over bluff in this yeah oh oh, i'm for sure (laughs) over bluffing (laughs) yeah yeah I just don't know if that's what, you know, you just got to convince them that I'm not. <laughs> no, guys, I, I'm not, I'm not over bluffing. Yeah, I have fives, I have sixes too. I'll totally check those back on the turn. Well, we stuck it in. And do we have a spooky ending to the show? No, nothing spooky. <laughs> It'd be spooky if I got called. <laughs> called by Ace King High. Spooky. Oh yeah, that would be, that would be. What do they have? Oh my god, they folded Ace Queen. I don't even know what to say. This is like more you believe tr- me? trick than treat. Like I just can't imagine folding Ace Queen here. <sighs> well, they don't block any of your suited 10x, so at least there's that with the Ace King of Spades. Or Ace Queen of Spades. Yeah, this is this is like a bigger fold than folding aces, right? No, because yeah, at least with aces, you know. beat you beat ace queen. <laughs> like, but, mm. well, good, good job, good work, way to take it to him, sir. I, I think if um, maybe this is another downside of like betting a third on the flop too. Like, you get called by like ace king and ace queen. Most yeah. always. It's good if you're like planning on barreling the turn, but if you're planning on taking back the turn, it's probably not that good. Yeah, 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 yeah. I probably don't want to get called by Ace King High and Ace Queen High. No. All right. Here lies another episode of Tactical Tuesday. Uh, 
And until next year, we'll have Halloween episode. We're a day late for Halloween, but you know what? What can you do? You can't <laughs> you can't make Halloween fall on a on a specific day. We have like you know, five years before April 1st. We'll um, just mark all the holidays that fall on a Tuesday next year so that we, you know. We, we know in advance. Yeah. You guys wait. Like, we're warning you now four years in advance that we'll have some April Fool's shenanigans cooked up <laughs> by, by the time the next one rolls around on a Tuesday. Uh, I'm just, we're, we're betting that you forget. I hope we don't forget. <laughs> oh, we won't. We won't. <laughs> See you in four years. See you in four years. Thanks for listening to Chasing Poker Greatness. You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts or on your favorite podcast app. Go to ChasingPokerGreatness.com to get the newsletter. Join the Greatness Village community, book a coaching session, or dive into the latest data-driven poker courses. Follow the show on Twitter at CPG Podcast.